Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Good morning to you. If you're a guest with us or you're new, my name is Brad and I have the esteemed and high privilege to be called the pastor here at the park. And it's a great joy to have you with us this morning and uh, we hope that you uh, get to know someone here and hopefully you get a sense of a little bit of who we are as a church as we gather together this morning. This is our very last day in the book of Colossians. We've been working through that verse by verse. So if you got a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And this morning we're going to be in 7 through 18. If you got a Bible with you or if you need to look it up on your phone, you can go there. I'm using the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible. We're a word-centered church. We love the Word of God. We'll always open the Word of God, so bring one with you. But if you don't, it's going to be next to me. So if you see it beside me or you got it in your hand, say, I'm there. All right, let's dive into God's Word together in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I sent him for you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and so that you may be encouraged in your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. Concerning some, you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God and have been a great comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, sends you greetings, He's always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify about him that he has worked hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Luke and the dearly loved physician and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church at at the Laodiceans, and see that you also had the letter led from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul tells us here, he says, take this letter that I'm giving to you and I want you to circulate it around, get it around so everybody can read it. Paul wasn't able to distribute this letter on his own because if you remember, where is Paul during this time? He's in prison, he's in jail, he's under house arrest. People could go in and out and visit him. He had some freedom in that way, but he was in jail, in chains because of his proclamation of the gospel, the mystery of Christ. And I would think that as Paul is in prison, that some of his friends would bring to him, if they could, they'd get him an iPod with a playlist on it. 
And if Paul could be stick his, his earbuds into his ears, this is maybe the, some of the top songs that would be on his playlist, with a little help from my friends. I think Paul really liked that song if it would have been written during his time. And I love the Beatles, but I really like the Joe Cocker version of it, right? It just brings back nostalgia of uh, the wonder years and the starting of that song. Remember, what would you do? You know that one I'm talking about. Or maybe a little more holy, A Friends Are Friends Forever by Michael Dubb. Maybe he'd be playing that one. I think he'd be playing the first one if he had access to it. But Paul, as Wearsby points out, is not just a soul winner. He's a friend maker. It's very interesting as you look at the life of Paul in throughout the book of Acts, there's only one time that Paul is by himself. It's in Acts chapter 18 when he's in Athens and he's doing ministry there. But even during that time, he's in Athens and it says, the text says he's waiting for his companions to come. And while he's waiting for them, he's doing ministry. Paul was never alone. He was always with friends. And so as we've worked through Colossians, we've looked at Christ over all in this little section called Christ over my relationships. We're going to see now as we've looked at the marriage relationship, the child and kid relationship, the manager and employee relationship, we now move into not only relationship with people who don't know Christ, but now friends. And I want to talk to you about this morning the importance of friendship. And here's what I want to submit to you. I found this to be true, and I think you're going to find this in our text this morning, that some of the best friends are forged while serving in ministry. Some of the best friendships are forged, or they happen while serving in ministry together. As we use our gifts, how God has uniquely wired all of us to encourage one another and to serve him together. MacArthur points out that it's almost like Paul, at the very end of his letter, includes, includes a group photo. And it gives us a biography of each person in that photo. If you've ever been on a mission trip before, and you know how that just brings people together, and at the end of it, at some point, you get a group photo, don't you? And maybe if it's hanging up in your house, or you post it on your social or whatever, someone asks you who they are, and you can go through each friend and tell them what you love about them and how awesome they are and the things that you've been through together. That, in a sense, is what Paul is doing here. So often this is a section that we skip over. Oh yeah, Paul's final greetings. I don't know any of these names, but let's not do that this morning. Let's look at who Paul is so grateful for and how it relates to us. And this is what I want you to think about today. When you hear these type of friends that Paul has, I don't want you to ask, I need to find those type of friends. But more I want you to ask, am I being that type of friend to someone else? So as we look at this, am I this type of friend that Paul is referring to? So let's look at his friends in ministry. The first one's found in verse 7. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. My goodness, what an amazing description of a friend right there, isn't that? That's crazy. He will tell you all the news about me. I sent him for you for this very purpose. You may know how we are, and he may encourage your hearts. First, we see here Tychicus. Tychicus was Paul's encouraging 
friend. Tychicus, the encouraging friend. He's a travel companion of Paul, a little less known than the others. We see him in Acts chapter 20 as he traveled with Paul up to Jerusalem to bring the collection to the church that was in need there in Jerusalem. He's been with Paul through the thick and thin, and he's now here with him as he's under house arrest. Tychicus has not left his side. But Tychicus is also the mailman. Colossae, Colossae and Ephesus are about 120 miles apart. It is most likely that as Paul wrote his prison epistles, these, these ones that are written here, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and, and Philemon, he's not able to deliver them themselves, but they would have all been delivered through someone. And it's most likely here, Tychicus is bringing the letter of the Colossians to the people at the church. So he would have probably carried with him the letters of, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, and also to the one that is Philemon, which he's at Colossae. He would have gotten that as well. And he says, Paul has been very vague about how he's actually doing in prison. He says, don't worry about it. Tychicus is going to tell you how I'm doing. He's going to encourage your hearts. He's going to update you on my current situation. And he's going to tell you to be an encouraging person. You know, Tychicus would go on to be that as well to Paul. In fact, when Paul is at the end of his life, he's about to die in prison. Tychicus actually goes to Ephesus and takes over for Timothy. So that Timothy could then go and be with Paul in his last couple of moments of his life. He was an encouraging friend. The one who was always there. Are you that type of friend? When you walk away from someone, do people go, man, I'm so encouraged right now? Or is it more of, I could not wait for that person to leave? You've, you know what that's like. That's why some of you giggle, because you've experienced that before. But is that you? Do you bring encouragement to people? Or do people see you and they smile because they know the refreshment that you're going to bring? Be like Tychicus, this kind of obscure person that was the mailman and also was a dear friend to Paul and an encouragement to others. Look at verse 9. It says, He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. I want you to see here not Onesimus, not Mark that we're going to look here in a second, but I want you to see Paul. And I want you to see Paul, the reconciling friend. Paul loved bringing people together. You have here the name Onesimus. He had the gift of reconciling people because Onesimus was in need of some reconciliation. If you know anything about the book of Philemon, Philemon was a letter that was written from Paul to the slave owner. Now, slave ownership was very different back then, but at the same time, slaves were not allowed to run. And he is writing to Philemon to receive Onesimus back as his friend and as his co-worker in the gospel. See what happened. Philemon, who was probably the church in Colossae, was meeting in his house. Verse 2 of the letter of Philemon says the church that meets in your house, they're probably meeting in this wealthy guy's house. He had come to know Christ through the ministry of Paul. And his slave Onesimus ran away. And as he runs away, he runs away to Rome, and in God's sovereignty, he meets Paul. Onesimus is converted and comes to know Christ. 
and is now burdened to go back and make things right with his master Philemon. So here Paul is writing, he's saying, Onesimus is coming, greet him. Now it's quite interesting that Onesimus, along with Tychicus, actually would have brought the letter of Philemon and handed it to Philemon himself, saying, uh, here's what Paul says, I hope you listen to him, right? Paul loved doing that, and you know what? The letter was received well, because actually if you look at uh, Ignatius, who was one of the early church fathers, not far after the apostles, he actually wrote a letter concerning Onesimus, who was the pastor in Colossae. That's pretty cool, right? So he ends up being coming back, they reconcile, and Onesimus, the slave, actually becomes the pastor of that church. Really cool stuff. Paul goes on further, shows us he's this reconciliation that he loves to bring friends together. As he says in verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. I want you to see here these friends that Paul now is talking about here, which we'll get to in a moment. But he mentions these three encouraging friends, one of them being Mark. Paul shows us again how he loves to bring people together because actually Mark and Paul, if you know the scriptures, have actually had a rocky past. There was at one point where things got hard and Mark deserted Paul. He left and went away. He couldn't take it anymore. This is what's said in Acts 15, verses 37 through 38. Barnabas wanted to take along John, that is who is called Mark, but Paul insisted they should not take him along the man who deserted him in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to work. So here we are here. There actually, there's this, they said, the text says there was a sharp disagreement or no small disagreement between Mar Barnabas and Paul about his, his uh, cousin, Mark. And Paul has said, I do not trust Mark. He's not going with me. But since then, Mark has now come back and has reconciled with Paul. And Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And they said, I know you've all heard about Mark. You heard about he deserted me and how we're not with him anymore, but he's going to come with these guys. And when he comes, you welcome him. Bring him in. In fact, in 2 Timothy, when Paul is at the end of his life about ready to die, he says, bring Mark. He's useful to me in my ministry. You see here, Paul models for us that people who have had a rough past like Onesimus or have failed like Mark, should be restored and are worth pursuing a relationship and friendship with. Any failures out there? Anyone with a shady or sketchy past out there? Yeah, many of you, myself. And Paul is saying, don't write those people off, but work hard. They need friends. It's worth it to pursue reconciliation with those people. So are you the type of friend that loves to give people second chances? That's a really good friend, and that's the kind of friend that Paul was. Modeling reconciliation from Christ, modeling that in the people that he was working with. Paul mentions these other three guys, his co-workers in the kingdom of God that have been an encouragement to him. Look on in verse 12 at Epaphras. 
Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. Listen to this. This is the type of friend you want. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and assured in everything that God wills. We're introduced here to Epaphras, and Epaphras was the praying friend. The praying friend. Paul says he's one of you. If that name sounds familiar, Paul has already mentioned him in chapter 1 of Colossians. It's most likely that with Ephesus being so close to Colossae, that actually Epaphras went to Ephesus, heard the gospel preached by Paul about the good news of Jesus, and then he goes back to Colossae and tells them about the good news of Christ. People come to know Jesus, and then they begin a church there. Remember, Paul had never been to Colossae. But he's talking about Epaphras. He says he's brought the gospel to you. He's one of you and he loves and cares for you so much. You know why? This is what he's doing for you. He's wrestling for you in prayer. Have you been to a wrestling match before? Have you seen those two people rolling around on the mat in tension together, both working for position. If you let up at all, it's over, isn't it? You're automatically going down. So you're always on guard. You're always working. You're always sweating and working hard. And Paul relates that to this is the same way that he prays for you. And he's not asking that your ankle will get better, but he is asking that you would grow in Christ. And you would understand everything that God wants for your life. He's one of you. He loves you. He's praying for you. Are you that type of friend? That is constantly thinking about other people and you're praying for them, wrestling for them in prayer? Man, I'm not that type of friend. I want to be. If you are that type of friend, would you be mine? I mean, that's the, that's the type of friend you want, right? One that wrestles for you in prayer. It's the greatest act of friendship that you could do, that you would say, I'm going to pray for you so much that you would grow up to be more and more like Jesus. And I'm going to pray to that end. Oh, we need to be praying friends. Let's be like Epaphras and lift each other up before the Lord. Verse 14. It says, Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you his greetings. We come upon Luke here. Luke is the faithful friend. Paul went through a lot of pain in his first missionary journey, and he got wise. On a second one, he's like, I'm going to take a physician with me this time that can heal my wounds, help me along the way. So he brings along the good Dr. Luke. Luke provides for his physical needs. Now, some of you are just amazing at providing for people's physical needs. And we need those type of friends. We need friends that pray for each other. We need ones that are going to take care of us provisionally to help us. I need people to come over and build shelves at my house. There's other things like that, right? I need those, those good type of friends that are good at those things. I had a friend like that. I and he's since God has called him away to the mission field, and I don't see him nearly as much as I do, but I think he's a lot like Luke in the sense where I think Paul and Luke had s such a relationship that Paul didn't clean his house to have Luke over. You know what I'm talking about, that type of friend? 
like when the house is not, not your house, but sometimes mine, is you, you, so you hear the doorbell ring and you get really concerned, don't you? You're like, oh no, right? What, what we, the house, we can't have anybody in here. But then you open the door and it's Luke and he's like, oh, it's just you, come on in. That's the type of friend they were. They were close, they were dear, they were near. This friend of mine, I remember one time Tyler was outside my house and he, I knew he was coming over, but he was spending a lot of time on the gutters of the house and like, I'm like, what were you doing outside? He said, I was taking down your Christmas lights, man. It's been two months. You're the laughing stock of the neighborhood, all right? Like he took down my Christmas lights. I mean, this is the type of friend that he was. And he said, by the way, get rid of that haircut. You look like an idiot, okay? Like this is just the type of friend that he is. Always there, always willing, always to be depended upon, he was a faithful friend, even up until the very end. You know, Luke was actually the one who's written most of the New Testament, more than Paul, more than anyone else. He's written the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He's contributed the most of the New Testament, and that is because he was also with Paul so often, traveling with him. In fact, when you see in the book of Acts the word we went and did this, that's Luke saying, I was there, I went with them, I was a part of all this happening. And what's said of Luke in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, when Paul's about ready to die, it says this, only Luke is with me. There's Mark again. Bring Mark. He's useful to you, to me in the ministry. Luke was there. He was always by his side, ministering to his physical needs and to his other needs. He's no longer under house arrest here in 2 Timothy 4.11. He's in a hole. Things are very dire. It's terrible, but Luke is still there. Are you that type of friend? Let me give you a little help on this one. You can't be that type of friend to everyone. Trying to be friends with everybody is being friends with nobody. But you should strive to be this type of friend to a few. A faithful friend. If you don't have a friend like that, maybe today you just start and say, God, would you bring me a friend that I can be that to? Pray for that. Ask for that. Friendship is important. You need someone like that. And if you have someone like that, lean into it and be a Luke type of friend. But there's one more friend, and it's really not a a friend at all, as we'll see, although it might sound like it. It's uh, actually in verse 14. The dearly loved physician Luke and Demas sends you his greetings. Demas is mentioned in Philemon, along with the other co-workers. But just a couple of years later, after being mentioned here with one of Paul's greatest friends, this is what's said about Demas in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. So here you have Demas, the deserting friend. Now, I know some of you are thinking as I wrote that in my notes and look at this, some people are going to chuckle and say, he sounds like a great friend if he brings desserts, right? But that's not the same word he's saying here. He's the deserting friend, and this is a warning to us. Paul is about to die, and Demas is gone. Why? Paul tells us because he fell in love with the world. That's why he's gone. What a sad loss of a friendship, one that was gone. 
And this is a warning to us to not be this type of friend. Because here's what Demas did. He did not take the warning that Paul laid out in Colossians. As he maybe even dictated some of this to Demas, uh, to set your eyes on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Instead, Demas looked at that and goes, oh yeah, that sounds really good. But I actually got my eyes set on the world, the things that are in front of me, the things that I can see. And it got to the point where Demas just gave in and ends up leaving Paul. Now this is kind of scary, isn't it? Because Demas is mentioned in a letter. That means he's really close to Paul. He's seen him. He's involved in his church planting. He would have seen the powerful things that God did, and probably Demas was one of them that actually did it. But yet his heart was not changed. And he ends up in the, in the moments when Paul needed him most, deserting his friend. Even more than that, deserting Christ altogether. So this is a warning to you, friend, if you're here, and you know what I'm talking about. You're around church, you've been here, you, you go through Sundays, you're involved, maybe even you're serving, but you know that your heart is not with Christ. Be very careful. This is a warning to you. Don't shipwreck your life like Demas. Humble yourself. Repent. Turn from the world and turn to Christ. So he gives us a warning here, but he also gives us an invitation as he ends. Look at verse 17. I tell you, Archippus, I think I said that right. There's a lot of names here. Archippus, so he calls this guy out in his letter. Pay attention to the ministry of your seed in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. He calls a guy out and he says, I want you to notice everything that I've said. I'm showing you a picture of what it could be like to have served in ministry this way and to have friends this way. I want you to notice it. And I'm calling you to it. It's as if Paul, in a little way here, is warning us, without even knowing it about Demas at this point, but warning us, don't be like Demas, but instead, be like my friend here, Archippus, and would you go in and start serving and experience the joy of living in community and serving Christ with others? You know, the best place to build friendships is serving together. One of the, the, the probably the, one of the best times on Sunday morning for me is at 7 a.m. during setup. I love it. I love it. Because we're setting up together. Now, not everybody loves it, and I don't actually enjoy putting up the pipe and drape. But I do, and most of the time the guys are like, we'll take care of it, okay? Right? It's like, no, but I love the relationships that are built in that time. Serving in kids' ministry, serving as a greeter, all kinds of things, in prayer ministry, in music. Paul is saying, look at what this could be. Not just coming to church, but actually serving with others. So if you're not serving, I would tell you you're missing out on an opportunity for friendship. Because some of the best friendships are forged through serving. And who knows what could happen? I remember when I was a college student, I was at a church. And uh, this lady, named her name was Rosemary. She came up to me and said, hey, Brad, you've been here for a while. I think it's time you start serving. 
And I said, well, okay, I can serve. She's like, well, we have a big opening in twos and threes. And I said, well, I'm not really uh, interested in twos and threes. She's like, well, Mandy Grice, who's now Mandy Posley, she's the teacher in that class. And I said, oh, twos and threes, you say. <laughs> I've always had a heart for twos and threes. It's such a moldable age, right? <laughs> and I started serving in twos and threes. You did so well in there. My goodness. The Lord brought us together, 16 years strong now, starting serving together in twos and threes. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing that's going to happen. If that's your desire, don't sign up to serve, okay? But it's just my, you never know what God is going to do. But I will tell you, it might be hard. You're not going to feel like it some days, but you will grow closer to each other. This is where friendships are forged. And then you serve, and then you go out, and you do other things as a result. God wants us to be serving and living life and doing ministry together. Look at verse 18, the very last verse in this letter. Paul says, I'm writing to you with this greeting with my own hand. He would have dictated most of this, but at the end, he signs it himself. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. It's a short goodbye. But it's packed with power in the light of this letter, isn't it? Think about where we've been in Colossians. Think about where God has brought us and the grace that's extended to us in this book. Chapter 1 starts out with the saints faithful in Christ. That is, if you are in Christ, you're not in Adam. You are in Christ with all the benefits of being united to Jesus. Oh, Paul didn't even know these guys, but he heard about their faith in Christ. And not only their faith, but how their faith is being spread all throughout the known world. And he tells them about the hope that the believers have. And Paul was motivated to pray for them. To be strengthened in the power of Christ's might so that they would endure, catch this, under suffering. So that one day they'll share an inheritance because their sins have been forgiven. Because through Christ they've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son who he loves. Who is this son that Paul has laid out for us in Colossians? Oh, he's the creator of all things. He is God made visible, the fullness of God, the head of the church. In him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. He is to be first place in everything in our hearts because he is in the world. He gave us his life so that he could present you holy and blameless before him completely righteous chapter 2 Paul goes on to talk about if you've received him it's not don't make it complicated walk in him and as you walk in Christ you will grow in gratitude for what he has done because he took one who was once dead and has now made you alive by canceling the record of debt and its demands by nailing it to the cross. So listen, everything is paid for. You can't earn anything. You can't earn Jesus points. You can't earn favor with God. All of it's given to you at the moment of salvation. 
Chapter 3 unpacks that if all of this is true, we should set our mind on things above where Christ is seated with God. And one day he will appear and we will appear with him in glory. Oh, Park Church, he's calling us to an eternal perspective. And as we do so, we will put to death the remaining sin that's in us and we will put on the virtues of Christ but we won't do that alone because God has called his church to do that together. With gratitude, we'll sing one to another with overflowing love to God. And then this affects our relationship. And we'll live in our relationships the way God has designed us to. As husbands, in light of Christ, will love their, their wives well. And as a result, wives will submit to their husbands Dads won't go to exasperate or make their kids angry, but they'll grow to love and to cherish them and to teach them the things of God. We'll be good workers together. We won't just be getting a paycheck and striving to do whatever we need to do to get by. No, before Christ, we'll work hard. And we will be a church that isn't just inward focused, but outward facing. As we pray and ask God to open doors, that he would bring people our way and that he would open our mouths in the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news about Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. And we won't do it alone, but serving together, using our gifts, whether they're big gifts that people see or stuff that happens behind the scenes, we'll grow in friendship together, looking to Christ in everything. Because listen to this. Tychicus points us to Jesus, who's the ultimate encouraging friend, who is gentle and lowly in heart. Paul points us to Jesus as the ultimate reconciling friend who reconciles us to God. Epaphras points us to Jesus as the ultimate praying friend who lives to make intercession for us. That's what he longs to do as our high priest. Luke points us to Jesus as the ultimate faithful friend who provides for our every need. And Jesus is not like Demas. Jesus will never desert you. He will never leave you. In fact, Jesus was deserted by his friends, even in his death, so that we could become friends of God. So in light of all this, I think it's pretty fitting for Paul to say, grace be with you, isn't it? Let's stand and let's sing together. Let's sing about this God who is over all and over this church.